Good morning. Welcome to Crestview Inspiration, a ministry of encouragement from Crestview Baptist Church in Canton, North Carolina. We want to share with you sweet songs of worship and an uplifting word from the scriptures. While you listen, may the spirit of grace flow from heaven into your heart and home, right where you are. Wherever you're listening today, my prayer and our prayer here at Teach Life Radio is that you would hear the voice of God clearly and that he would meet with you again. Can't go back to the beginning Can't control what tomorrow will bring But I know here in the middle Is the place that He promised to be I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you The 
thankful for you and you're listening to the broadcast today. My prayer is that this music has touched your heart and spoken to your spirit and directed your attention to the worship of the one and only true and living God, Yahweh, the Lord God of heaven and earth. We're continuing today in Psalm 18. It's a Psalm of David. It is a warfare Psalm. It's a tremendous Psalm that speaks of God's deliverance from the hand of all his enemies and God's enablement to fight the spiritual battle. And David composed this song as a love song and recognition of all that God had done for him. And basically, we're going to finish this psalm today, Psalm 18, verses 28 through 50. So if you've got your Bibles or your devices and you can read, follow along as I read in Psalm 18. The Bible says, picking up the text, verse 28, For you will light my lamp, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness, for by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on my high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again until they were destroyed. I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. 
for you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies, so that I destroyed those who hated me. They cried out, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind. I cast them out like dirt in the streets. You have delivered me from the strivings of the people. You have made me the head of the nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. As soon as they hear me, they obey me. The foreigners submit to me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God who avenges me and subdues the peoples under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. I want to speak today on God, our rock. God is the rock of our life. He is our rock in the spiritual battle. And how does God prove he is our rock? There are 10 actions we are going to see that God will do in our lives when we trust him and we call on him and we seek him in the battle. There are 10 ways that God proves that he's our rock. Number one, God brings light and grace into our lives. The Bible says, for you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Here the psalmist looks to God in the thick of the battle, leaning on his hope in God and finding light in the darkness of adversity and distress. The power of God turns the darkness into light, which reminds me of what Paul said to the Ephesians. God has taken us, when we believe in Christ, out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. In fact, he said, arise, those who are dead, awake, and Christ will give you light. The kingdom of Christ and God is a kingdom of light. And so when we trust God, he will bring light and grace in our lives. And that's what the scripture teaches. God is light, and in him there's no darkness. So when we trust in him and cry out to him, he will bring us into the light of his glory and grace. Number two, the second way God proves He's our rock as he gives supernatural strength in the battle. The Bible says, for by you I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. This expression of supernatural ability is what the psalmist experienced when he fought the battle, both in a physical battle and a spiritual battle. David was a man of war, a warrior of Israel, and as such he experienced the enabling of God while in the battle. Uh, we see this in, in um, Samuel when the scripture records the battle against uh, a great warrior called Goliath. The G giant Goliath was nine feet tall, and he was a tremendous warrior of the Philistines. And yet David, the 17-year-old boy, took on this seasoned warrior in battle one-on-one, -on -one, and he took five little stones from the a brook. And he launched one of those with his slingshot and popped a giant in the head with the God's enabling and killed 
the giant warrior and, and cut off his head with his own sword. See, God's word is so accurate that God will give the victory and the supernatural strength needed in the battle. And that's why David expressed his faith. He said, God will deliver you into my hand. He expressed his faith in God in the battle. So in like manner, we need to express our faith in God to receive the same strength and supernatural uh, ability in the battle. Number three, God manifests himself as God in the battle. Verses 30 and 31, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Notice the key is who trust in him. And then verse 31, for who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? And the answer to those two questions is no one. The psalmist discovers the presence of the Lord and the manifestation of the Lord in his trial and his battle. God manifests himself as God in the battle. He discovers the psalmist David that God is the rock of his help, just like the Hebrew word Ebenezer, the rock of help to the nation of Israel, such as when they fought the Philistines. Ebenezer is the word used only three times in the Bible, and it means stone of my help. We see it in 1 Samuel chapter 7, when the Philistines neared Israel, a great thunder scared and shook up the Philistines, and this state of dismay allowed Israel to prevail in battle. And Samuel memorialized this victory, and he set up a stone between Mizpah and Shen. And he, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 7, 12, that Samuel named this stone Ebenezer, which means, thus far the Lord has helped us. Because of Samuel's faithfulness and Israel's repentance and newfound faith in God, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. God was the rock of help for Israel, and God will be the rock of help for you too, friend. He will be a shield for you when you trust him, when you cry out to him, when you call on him. My question to you is, do you really trust God in the battle? Have you completely given him full control of your life? Number four, God uh, gives miraculous strength for the fight. This is a beautiful picture of what God does for the child of God in the battle. It says, it is God who arms me with strength. He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on my high places. What a picture of God's miraculous strength. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Notice this enabling power of God in the life of the one who depends upon God in the battle, that he will arm you with strength, that he'll make your feet run like a deer and set your feet on the high mountains with stability and agility. And hands are supernaturally guided in the battle. He he teaches your hands how to make war, to guide uh, the weapons that are used in the battle. And then arms that can bend a bronze bow here, uh, beautiful language describing God's miraculous ability and strength in this battle. We're strengthened in the spirit to fight the invisible battle of God. The dependence upon God becomes so evident by the psalmist 
that he depended entirely on God's strength, entirely on God's supernatural enabling to fight the fight. So my question to you and to myself is, am I depending fully on God's strength and his supernatural enabling? Because here we see it is by God's strength that we fight this battle, and we are not fighting a battle in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. And so number five, God grants you supernatural weapons for the battle. This is truly is a warfare psalm. When we see how God uses the text by the hand of David to describe this, this warfare, he says, you have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. The scriptures speak of the divine weapons of war that God has given us, such as a shield right here in verse 35. When we come to the New Testament, we see Paul describing these weapons. These are spiritual weapons, and he describes them in detail in Ephesians 6. He says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And this describes a picture of a Roman soldier, but in the spiritual realm. And having put on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace the sandals of the gospel, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end. My friend, God will give you supernatural weapons for this battle, For this is a supernatural battle. It is a battle against the enemy, the unseen enemy. These spiritual weapons we see are truth, God's truth, rightly divided, and righteousness, which is the righteousness of Christ given to us as a gift through faith, and the good news of Christ. There's the gospel. We carry that into the battle. In faith, the shield of faith is so critical Notice the scripture says the shield of salvation right here in in verse 35. Here we see a shield of faith. It's all part and parcel of what God surrounds his children with. By faith, we receive the salvation of God, and then that becomes a shield for us when Satan brings accusations against us. And when we fight this battle, we believe God and his word. That's the shield that will quench all the fiery arrows of the wicked one. And we, then we see uh, our salvation, that's our, our helmet, protect our thought life. And then the word of God, that's the, that is truly the offensive weapon. On one edge, it's the word. On the other edge of the two-edged sword is the spirit. And that spirit and the word is our offensive weapon. And we couple that with prayer, and there we have our spiritual weapons to fight Satan and all the demons of hell. And this is exactly what... Paul says in 2 Corinthians, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, the weapons we fight with, they're not the weapons of the world. They're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, so they were, friend, we're walking in this world, in our body and in the flesh, but the fight that we're fighting 
is a spiritual battle, and God equips us for the spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. So we must take up these weapons to fight the fight, as, as these are alluded to in Psalm 18 and clarified in the New Testament. And we will see through these weapons we can fight a faithful fight against a spiritual enemy, and God will give us victory. Notice he will be a shield to all who trust in him. So let's pray to take up the truth of God in faith and encourage and fight the good fight for Christ. And number six, God gives you divine help to overtake the enemy. The psalmist writes, I have pursued my enemies. Notice the offense, uh, offensive action of David. He said, I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. See, God puts us on the offensive. He gives us the ability to take an offensive stance against the enemy. In fact, that's what Jesus said. He's told Peter, upon this rock, the confession of Christ as Lord, I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it as the church advances with the gospel. The gates of hell shall not stop the offensive action of the church. So God will give divine victory. So, beloved, today, trust God for victory in your own life. Learn to trust him to fight the fight in his way, in his time, with his weapons. Number seven, God gives complete victory over all enemies. The scripture so clearly says, you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies. I think about the scripture about Christ fighting the fight for us and how he took on the enemy once and for all. He was tested by Satan in Matthew 4. He, he wrangled with Satan throughout his ministry, but then it came to a head at that final day of conflict, that Thursday night when he was in the garden, when he sweated drops of blood, when he took into his self our sins upon himself, and then it on Friday, when he went to the cross, we see he fought Satan. And we see that not only did he fight Satan, that he defeated Satan. Colossians 2.13 says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he, Christ, has made us alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us that was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He, Christ, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In essence, Christ defeated Satan by taking our sins and nailing them to the cross and wiping out the handwriting of debt that we owed God, and by doing so, he disarmed Satan and all the principalities and powers. He secured the total victory. But we must walk in that victory as believers in Christ. Are you walking in that victory? And are you experiencing total spiritual victory? Number seven, eight, excuse me, God raises you above your enemies. He will raise you up. Uh, our battle is against Satan and demonic forces, but the scripture says you have delivered me from the strivings of the people. You have made me the head of nations. God will raise you up over your enemies. Whatever you're fighting, uh, depression, addiction, 
uh, bitterness, uh, lust, anger, greed. You can rise above that by the power of God. Our battle is against Satan and demonic forces, but we must start with a humble stance to trust him and call on him and allow him to do what he will do. Number nine, God causes you to worship in the battle. The scripture says, The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. In the middle of the battle, David breaks out in praise and worship for God's deliverance and God's supernatural intervention. I think about Jehoshaphat that took on the enemies who were attacking them. And Jehoshaphat humbled himself and called all the people of Israel in chapter 20 of uh, 2 Chronicles to pray. And he sought God. This massive army was coming up. And he sought God. And all of a sudden, a prophet stood up and said, Listen, king, don't be afraid or discouraged by this tremendously strong army. The battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord. You go out and worship and you go out and, and trust in God and watch what God will do. And so they put their worship team together. They took out before the, the singers and went out. The Bible says Jehoshaphat pointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And when they got out to the battlefield, there they saw a vast army completely dead, lying on the ground, and no one had escaped. And they gathered all the plunder and praised and glorified God because God brought a great victory against insurmountable odds by his divine power. That is what God does in the lives of his children. And the last uh, proof is God works a work of deliverance and mercy. He delivers he says, he delivers me from my enemies. You have uh, delivered me from the violent man. He will deliver you from anyone who maliciously attacks you and seeks to do violence. Trust God. He will deliver you. He is a delivering God. We saw that God delivered the infant nation when the British Empire came against the United States militia in the very first battle of the Revolutionary War. It's a tremendous story, the Battle of Brooklyn Heights. You can research it. Out of that, the tremendous army, 30,000 strong British army, came against General Washington and his 8,000 troops that were ragtag uh, soldiers. And in the end, uh, the Bible uh, truths came to life when Washington realized that he was backed up against a, a trap. And the general Howe of the British had devised a plan to trap him by land and by water. But General Washington, a praying man and a wise man, informed his officers that he was going to retreat and remove his army from Brooklyn to Manhattan. And they must have been shocked, as Washington explained, that the evacuation would involve a flotilla of small boats. So all that storm-tossed night of the 28th of August, 1776, the men from Massachusetts ferried the small army of General Washington out of harm's way despite the British. And when the wind dissipated around midnight, the moon illuminated the scene, and 
More men could now flee per boat because of the calm conditions. The British would now be able to hear and see the troop movements. Also working against the Americans was their troops' uh, fractious mood, with soldiers arguing noisily amongst themselves as they waited along the shore for their rescue. However, even under those circumstances, the British remained ignorant of Washington's evacuation. As dawn broke, General Washington knew he needed at least three more hours of darkness to complete the removal. Only a miracle could save his men and the newborn United States. General Washington, known to be a man of prayer, offered up prayer for deliverance. American Major Ben Talmadge, an eyewitness at the scene, described what happened next. As the dawn of the next day approached, those of us who remained in the trenches became very anxious for our own safety. And when the dawn appeared, there were several regiments still on duty. At this time, a very dense fog began to rise out of the ground and off the river, and it seemed to settle in a peculiar manner over both encampments. I recollect this peculiar providential occurrence perfectly well, and so very dense was the atmosphere and the fog that I could scarcely discern a man at six yards distance. We stayed until the sun had risen, but the fog remained as dense as ever. When General Washington finally took the last boat to freedom, the fog began to lift. The stunned British Army realized what had happened. 8,000 Americans had fled under their very noses, and it was too late to do anything about it. Someday, General Howe and General Washington would face each other again, but not that day. The hand of God had guided the infant nation to safety. Friend, let me tell you today, God will deliver you when he is your rock. Have you trusted him? Have you humbled your heart in childlike faith to call on him? Like General Washington, like Jehoshaphat, and like King David, you can find that God will be your rock. I pray you will. So, friend, God bless you. And until next week, may the Lord be glorified in your life as you discover his supernatural power to deliver in your battles. Thank you for listening to Crestview Inspiration. May this ministry touch your heart, encourage you, and strengthen you. And may the Lord bless you in your spiritual walk this week. So on behalf of the Crestview family, we invite you back next week, Friday at 10 a.m. on WPTL as we spread the good news of Jesus.